Good morning. How is everybody? You guys good? Good? Were you guys disappointed when you walked outside this morning and it was half the temperature that it was yesterday? It was disheartening. Um, If you're young in here, I'm going to tell you one of the signs of aging and getting older is when there's a nice day and you find yourself on your back porch uh, looking at birds. That's how you know you've gotten older. It's a sign whenever whenever you start buying bird feeders... It's coming. You, you, you have aged. Uh, we have three, three bird feeders in our backyard. And um, we even have one that's plexiglass that sticks on our back door. So, you know, the birds, I can like, go right there, you know, and you can see them eating. And, uh, you know, you've gotten especially old when you sit on your back porch with your multi-poo and you are Googling facts about birds. <laughs> and that's, that's what I did yesterday. That's a true story. So I'm sitting there looking at all these different birds. I can name them all now. I know what they all are. And, you know, if it's an Eastern robin or a Canadian robin, and I can do that now because I'm, I'm lame. I used to play punk rock and have tin earrings, and now I look at birds with my multi-poo. That's where I'm at. So, uh, all right. Glad you guys are here this morning. <laughs> Hope you come next week. Uh, we are... <laughs> we, thank you. Thank you and all my weirdness. Uh, we are in the Gospel of John. We've been in it for, for quite some time. And uh, we're just kind of slowly digesting this book of the Bible because it's a really, really good book of the Bible. We, we started chapter 8 last week. And um, if you have a Bible, we're in the fourth book of the New Testament. Started chapter 8. We only did about half of chapter 8 because it's a longer chapter. And the first half of it um, has a really, really famous story that we've developed a lot of colloquialisms and, and phrases from. Um, where a woman who's caught in adultery is brought in front of Jesus and, and the religious leaders say, well, what do we do with this woman? And he says the, the very, very famous, whoever is without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And uh, we talked about that. And then from that, we go back into Jesus arguing with the religious leaders. It, it is fascinating. What we talked about last week and what we'll continue to talk about a little bit this week is Jesus had a tendency to argue with religious people uh, who claimed that they knew God, but they didn't really know God. And, and this is still a problem in, in Christianity, especially, in my opinion, in the southeastern part of the United States, is there's a lot of people who say, oh, man, I'm good, I'm going to heaven, I know God. Uh, an intellectual knowledge of who God is does not save your soul. The book of James says this. Um, we must know God. And so knowing God means a relationship with him. So we talked about this last week. Do we have a relationship with God? This week, we're gonna talk about this intersection that I believe all humans eventually have with God. And and at this intersection, we have to come to a conclusion that Jesus is either gonna be the thing that we build our life upon or Jesus is an obstacle because we wanna do things our way. So we kind of come to this fork in the road to where we have to choose. Um, and, And Jesus leaves no room for indecision. You, you have to make a decision. So I'm just going to warn you uh, this morning, warn you, that's, that sounds maybe a little dramatic, but uh, th- this is now the, the fourth time I have taught this lesson, starting the fourth time. And every single time I get up here, I'm like, God, you know, like, let's, let's help me temper the, the snarkiness a little bit. And it hasn't worked at all services. And so I, my guess is it probably won't work very well at this one either. And, and I'm going to tell you where that comes from, though. Um, I personally am in a place to where I am, I am, I've grown tired 
of people saying that they are followers of Jesus, but there is no evidence of that in their life. I am, I am tired of that. And there are so many people who, who well, I said a prayer one time at a camp when I was 14 and been living like hell ever since. You, you know what I've come to the conclusion of? There are lots of professing Christians who would argue theology with Jesus. And we're gonna see that today. Jesus is gonna say some things that might contradict your denominational upbringing. And I'm sorry, but, it, but it's Jesus. And we just have to follow the words of Jesus. Put your seatbelts on, I hope no one's head explodes. But if we claim to follow Jesus, it means that we listen to him and do what he tells us to do. That, that's what a Christian means, right? So we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. And um, I hope that we approach... I hope that whenever we approach the, the, the word of God, we, we approach it objectively, taking it for what it says, not for what, you know, your great-grandmother told you, nothing against your great-grandmother, nothing against your pastor before, you know, you came here or, um, or whatever the case may be, but I hope that we approach this objectively, just doing what the word of God tells us to do, okay? So anyways, all that being said, it, it's, you're not gonna have an awful day. We're gonna get through this and it's gonna be okay. Uh, the sun's supposed to come out here about the time you guys are leaving, so that's, that's a good coincidence. Um, you should have got a notes handout when you walked in. Everything I'm gonna say is in there. You've probably already looked at that to see how much of a jerk is Corey going to be this morning. Oh, look at that point. Um, everything will be up on the screens, and if you have a smartphone, the Experience Community app, just click on Sermon Notes. So we're in the fourth book of, of the, the New Testament. We're in the eighth chapter. We're gonna start in verse 30. We'll get through it relatively quick in... Um, and that's how we'll, uh, we'll do it today, okay? So let me pray for you, and we'll work through this. And, and again, if I get a little sarcastic, know that it's me, it's not you. So uh, there's no reason to get offended. You can sit back in confidence and say, that guy just is angry. And, uh, and it's not altogether false for you to think that. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get through it, okay? All right, Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. Thank you so much for everyone in this room this morning. Thank you, God, that um, we have a safe, comfortable place where we can come in and we can, we can worship and we can crack open the word of God and we can learn from it. Lord, I pray that as we study the word today, as we continue on to, to worship and learn more about you, I just pray that you would bless our church. We pray, Father, not only for our church, like Kyle said, we pray for every single church in our city. We pray for our, our other campuses, the churches in those cities. We pray, pray for the fantastic nonprofits we get to work with. Thank you, Lord, for this worship night that's coming in. Uh, God, that we can not only worship you, but raise a lot of money for great nonprofits. And uh, we just pray that in everything we do, Lord, that you are glorified, you are honored, that, that, that the truth is clear to us, Lord, and that that truth liberates us and sets us free, God. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your son's name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Jesus, we're picking up with Jesus arguing with the religious leaders, Okay. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say we will become free? Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you will really be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. 
I speak what I've seen in the presence of the Father. So then you do what you heard from your father. Notice he, his father, capital F, their father, lowercase f. Our father is Abraham, they replied. Well, if you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. There's some good stuff in here. The first one is this. If you were not here last week, we established that just a head knowledge of who Jesus is does not save your soul. How dare I? I dare because in the book of James, it says the devils in hell know who Jesus is, but they still reside in hell. That means they're, they're not in heaven. So just a head knowledge of who Jesus is does not save us. To truly know Jesus means we have a relationship with him. So saving faith, saving faith, is rooted in a knowledge of God and is evident in the fact that we have a relationship with Jesus. So the second half, basically what we're gonna talk about today is Jesus trying to tell us how to be liberated of nominal faith. What that means is following God in name only. Not by how we live, but, but we say it, but we don't do it, and that is not true faith. And Jesus wants to liberate us, save us from that. So as Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees, some of the, the common folk, the normal people, right? He's arguing with the religious leaders. This crowd has amassed, and some of the people in that crowd were starting to believe the things he was saying. And Jesus says something very, very important and very, very simple. He says that you are a follower of mine. Listen, I want everyone to hear this. You are a follower of mine if you continue in my word, and that truth sets you free. So Jesus himself said, you are a disciple of mine, you are a Christian, that's what that word means, if you are continuing to do what my word tells you to do, and if you are free of sin's claims, Romans chapter six. So what does it tell us, because you're in an intellectual group of people, what does it tell us if one claims Christianity, but they live in perpetual bondage of sin and they do not follow the teachings of the Bible? It means that they're not a Christian. According to who, Corey? Jesus. Jesus Christ said this. You are my disciple if you continue in my word. Well, this upset people, right? It's funny, still today, religious people get upset when, when it is pointed out to them that they are not acting like the one they claim to follow. So they're upset and they say, well, how dare you say that we can be set free? We are Jews, we are descendants of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. Well, obviously they weren't historians uh, because the Jews have been enslaved <laughs> literally to every empire that has ever existed. Uh, I don't know if you know who built the pyramids. They, they were enslaved to the Egyptians. They were enslaved to the Assyrians, to the Babylonians, to the Persians, the Greeks. And right as this conversation was going on, the Jewish people were under the thumb of the Roman Empire. They'd literally been enslaved by every major empire that had ever existed since humanity had been building empires. So not only was their history distorted, they had also been spiritual slaves because some of them lived in sin. But their problem was this, they assumed that their religious heritage saved their soul, and it didn't. So Jesus assures the crowd that if we live in sin, 
We are enslaved by that sin. He also assures us, he says it in verse 35, that if we live in deliberate sin, like if we know what's right, but we choose to live in what is wrong, that bars us from being adopted into the family of God. It says that in verse 35. A slave does not live in the house forever. Only an adopted son lives in the house forever. So this is important because right now in our society, American society, and unfortunately even in a lot of American churches, there is this, this false selling of freedom to you. The freedom is, is that you are, you are able to think whatever you want to think, you are able to do whatever you want to do, you're able to live however you want to live, there are no restrictions, and they call this freedom. But if it is any other teaching than how God teaches us to live, that quote-unquote freedom that the world tries to sell us actually leads us into slavery. It leads us into spiritual slavery, psychological slavery, and even literal physical slavery. There are more slaves right now on planet Earth than there has ever been on planet Earth. Not just that, the slave of addiction, addiction to substances, addiction to affirmation, addiction to approval, that when we live in sin, we live as slaves. But we are told right now in our society, your children are told this all the time, you as adults are told us all the time that there are no restrictions to things like love. Love is love, right? There are no boundaries to love. That is a very asinine statement. I taught you that, that word last week. It's a wonderful word, a very ridiculous statement. Anyone who says that has never had a cute 14-year-old cheerleader daughter and caught some 35-year-old man looking at her. Tell me then that there are no boundaries to love, right? It's like if we have a goldfish and we love that goldfish more than anything and we're like, man, you are confined to this bowl. I love you. I'm gonna set you free from this bowl, put it on a table. Look, there are no boundaries because I love you. And this is exactly what the world is doing to you. There should be no boundaries and in this boundaryless world. But here's the thing. The creation does not set the bounds for love. The Bible says God is love. And if he is pure love, God sets the boundaries in the lane for what defines what true love is. And it is only the truth that sets us free. And it is only the truth that protects us from very, very costly mistakes that we could make in the future. And so these people keep saying, we are Abraham's descendants. We are the people of God. Now, listen, this is not for any of you because you're not gonna fall into this trap, but you might have some Southern religious friends that think like this. Look at this blue part. The people kept using their religious pedigree as an excuse to live however they wanted. Now, I do these things that are antithetical to the Bible, but Corey, one time at a lock-in, I said this prayer. That's not biblical, guys. Listen, you can hate my guts for that. You know where I'm at at this point in juncture? I'm gonna follow the Bible. And so if someone can find me anywhere in the Bible to where you can say one thing one time and live however the hell you want until Jesus comes back, if you'll find that, I will eat my copy of the Bible. I'll videotape it. Maybe we can do like a Zoom call and you guys can watch me physically ingest it. I'm very confident you're not going to find that. You can twist things and turn things and get upset for me because one time your great grandpa said this thing, but that doesn't make it true. And we're gonna see this in the word of God. Jesus said this, you can tell me all day long that you're fourth generation, blah, 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 but you are not living like that. If you were really a son or a daughter of Abraham, of God is what he's saying, you would live like that. And if you claim to be of Abraham's descendants, you would live like Abraham. And Abraham was a man of courageous faith. 
It says that in Hebrews, that it resulted in his righteousness and that righteousness had legs to it. It had action behind it. So we can say we're something all day long, but if we do not live it, we are not that thing. And I apologize for this last week and I'll do it again. I'm sorry that I keep bringing Jesus up in church, but Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. He doesn't just say that. He says, if the fruit is good, the tree is good. And what does he say? If the fruit is bad, the tree is bad. But wait a second, that's not what I learned. I don't care. That's what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew. Those are the words of Christ. Look at that. Back in the Pentecostal church for a minute there. So in verse 41, though, it gets really, really personal. So the religious people, again, they are ticked off that Jesus, they, that Jesus is contradicting their theology. So they say to Jesus, well, at least we weren't born out of sexual immorality. You know what they're calling him? I'm not trying to say bad words. They're basically calling him a bastard child at this point. There had been rumors that had circulated that, that Mary did not get pregnant by Joseph, and they knew that. And so they do a shot right under the belt. And it's interesting, Jesus basically says to them, you keep telling me you're a follower of God, but you don't talk like a follower of God. How many people claim to be followers of Christ, but when they talk, it doesn't really sound like they're followers of God. They claim to be people of God, but they're acting more like the devil with their tongues. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here. Okay, let's keep going. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I'm here. For I didn't come on my own, but he who sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? I highlighted verse seven. It's simple, but very, very profound. Jesus says this, the one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you're not from God. That is very, very simple stuff. So in verse 42, Jesus starts to switch back to the religious people. So he, he was just talking to, to more of the common people, if you will, the everyday citizens. Now he's switching his focus back to the religious people. And he says, if you guys truly loved God, if you truly followed God, you would understand that I'm the Messiah. You would have been looking for me and you would have recognized me. So here's the thing. True followers of God are reading the word of God. And now listen, I'm not saying that legalistically like you have to memorize the whole thing or I, I'm reluctant to say this because I'd love for all, uh, all of us to do it. I'm not even saying you have to read the word every single day. But if we are not having some kind of Bible ingestion in our life, if we are not learning from that, if we are not obeying that, and not only that, if we are not learning to, to follow the promptings of the Spirit, we are not maturing as believers in God. So when I say learning to follow the promptings of the Spirit, some of the fruit of the Spirit are things like self-control, uh, patience, 
Some of the gifts of the Spirit are things like discernment and wisdom and knowledge and courageous faith. And we should be developing in these gifts and fruits, and we should, over time, learn more and more how to identify God speaking to us and trust him and follow him. And if we have a hard time with that, I'll tell you a good place to start, just read the Bible, because this is God talking to us. It is God's mind on paper. So not only are we to be growing in our knowledge of God, in, in, in our following of God, we are also to be resisting evil. We are to be intentionally distancing ourselves from things that are wrong. I used this analogy last week. It's ex extremely simple. Let's pretend this back wall is sin and evil and things that God doesn't like. Let's pretend this wall over here is Jesus. If we are Christians, we are to be always moving towards Jesus as time goes on. Doesn't mean we're perfect, doesn't mean we're not gonna stumble at times, but we should, for the most part, always be moving in the direction of Jesus. Now, if we are moving in the direction of Jesus, we're also naturally moving away from sin and evil. This is a very, very simple thing. So our problem, though, lies in the fact that we don't even know what evil is, or we don't know what the expectations of God are. And that is a willing ignorance. We have no excuse in the United States, brothers, sisters, friends, family. We have no excuse in the United States. Not only can we get the Bible anywhere where books are sold, you can download it for free on your phone and it will read it to you. So when we stand in front of God as an American in the 21st century and go, oh, I just didn't know, he's gonna go, that's because you chose not to know. You willingly didn't know. And here's the thing. If we don't know what the truth is, this is why we fall for counterfeit teachings and faiths and lifestyles all the time, even within churches in the United States. Listen, I, I want you to hear me. Don't just take my word for everything I say up here. That doesn't mean I think you should go to churches and just challenge preachers all the time. I get those emails. People have been one time, they send me an email and they're like, everything you're doing is wrong. And I'm like, who are you, right? Anyways. <laughs> If I get up here and read the word of God to you and I say something, make sure that you're reading along with me. Make sure that the word is saying what I'm telling you because there are churches all throughout the United States right now who are saying things that quite honestly are blasphemous and heresy and contradictory to the word, but because no one is reading this for themselves, people, people accept it and they live it out and they are falling for things that are antithetical to the teachings of Christ. And so Jesus tells the religious leaders, he says, you guys aren't even, you're not even able to hear the truth. Is that because God didn't want them to hear the truth? Well, no, God would love everyone to hear the truth. Jesus loved everyone, even these arrogant religious leaders that wanted to kill him. He wanted them to be saved as well, but they were unable to hear it. Why? They were unable because they were following the desires of themselves, and therefore doing what the devil wanted them to do. So, so here's the thing, guys. If we are constantly ingesting, taking in through our eyes, our ears, our atmosphere, our environments that we're in, if we are constantly taking in things that are antithetical to Jesus, it clouds our minds and it prohibits us from hearing the truth. 
So there are times people will, will call the church, and, and if you've done this, I'm not making fun of you, but they'll call and they'll say, hey, can someone come out to my, my house and pray for my home? There's something evil going on in my home. We're seeing things, we're feeling things. Can you pray for my home? Well, listen, your home is wood and brick and mortar and stone, and those things cannot be possessed by demons. What the, the, the real question is, is, is when people call and ask for this, I will ask, or whoever takes that will ask, they'll say, what are you inviting into that home? By what you are looking at, by what you're listening to, by, by what you're taking in through your eyes and your ears, what books you are reading, what you are letting speak to your mind. And you may think I'm legalistic and crazy. Again, I'm gonna quote Jesus again. I'm sorry I keep doing that in church. But Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, that what we take in through the eyes contaminates the entire soul. So we need to be very, very careful what we take in. So for instance, and again, we're gonna talk like adults here in this room. People who cannot hear the voice of God or, 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 or they cannot distinguish things or they have animosity towards each other. Listen, if you're in this room and you keep feeding your mind pornography, it's going to distort your relationship, not only with God, with other humans. And I used to say, I used to target that mostly at men. Do you know 40% of all visits to porn sites are by women now? Almost half. There's a reason why Fifty Shades of Grey sold millions and millions of copies, because it's not just men who struggle with these things. But when we feed ourselves those things, it distorts our view. It clouds our ability to receive the things that God wants us to receive, because we are ingesting things that are garbage. And so I highlighted verse 47 because it's very, very simple. And this goes back to the conversation that there must be evidence if we claim to follow God. Again, according to who? According to Jesus himself. If we claim to be of God, Jesus himself says we will be listening to the word and responding to the word. So again, let's talk about logic. If one claims to be a Christian does not listen to the word or respond to the word, they're not a Christian. According to who? Jesus. These letters are in red. The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen. So if someone does not listen and live by the teachings of the Bible, Jesus says you are not from God. Doesn't matter what our denomination says. Doesn't matter what our preconceived notions are. This is directly from Jesus Christ, okay? The Jews responded to him, aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is only one who seeks it and judges. Truly I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father, about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. You don't know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. I was a little shot by Jesus there. But I do know him and I keep his word. 
your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, you aren't even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. So it gets even uglier. They've already uh, brought Jesus's mother into this and made a comment about him being born out of wedlock. Now they make a very racial slur to him. Calling him a Samaritan was, was, was the equivalent of, of a modern day racial slur for us. And not only that, they say, you must have a demon. You're demonically possessed. And so he kind of brushes off these very petty insults and he basically reminds them. He says, you keep telling me that I'm wrong, but you're the one that is talking very, very dishonorably. And then out of his grace and mercy, he says, once again, if you will just follow my words, you will never taste death. If you'll just listen to what I'm telling you, you will never experience death. Now this bothered them as well. So the topic of the afterlife for the, for the people before Jesus came around was, was very vague. If you read through the Old Testament, what happens after death is, is, is pretty vague. It mentions things like Sheol, which was kind of the land of the dead, people when they, when they passed on from, from this life into the next, but it doesn't really tell us much about it. So there's a lot of ambiguity about life after death in the Old Testament. But now Jesus shows up on the scene and starts telling people, even the religious people, that you will never experience death if you just follow me. Now, we know that he's not talking about literal physical death. We're all going to experience that. The Bible says everyone has an appointed time to die, but we will not experience the second death, which is a spiritual death in eternity. We will live forever with God. So now notice the tone of the conversation. In the first half of chapter eight, the religious leaders say, who are you? In the second half, they go, who do you think you are? Who do you claim to be? The tone has changed dramatically. They are angry. They are offended. They are upset. The reason why Jesus earlier talked about murder is because murder is in their heart. They hate him at this point. And so again, the Pharisees, the religious people, I want you to keep that in mind because there's still a lot of Pharisees walking around nowadays. The, 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 the Pharisees were religious and they had an intellectual knowledge of God, but no relationship with God. Jesus says, I do have a relationship with God. We're gonna find out that that's very close here in a second. And not only that, he claimed to have a relationship with Abraham. They kept talking about Abraham and Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I know Abraham. He even, Abraham rejoiced when I was born. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they were probably a little perplexed by that. Now that could mean a couple of things. That could mean one, that in Abraham's life, back in the Old Testament, he knew that the Messiah was coming and that brought him joy. Or it could mean that Abraham literally saw the birth of Christ, that beyond the grave that God allowed him to see the Messiah come and he rejoiced at that. That's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And so the Pharisees are sitting there going, okay, you said that you saw Abraham and you know him. He was about 30 years old at this time, Jesus. Abraham had died about 2,000 years before that. So they're sitting there doing the math and they're like, that doesn't add up. And Jesus knew what they were doing. He knew what they were thinking. So just to make things as crystal clear as Jesus possibly could, 
he looked at the religious leaders and he said, before Abraham was, I am. And it says at that point, they picked up rocks and they were gonna kill him. Now, if you've never heard the story of Exodus chapter three, if you're in here and maybe you're a new believer or you're not a believer yet, you're like, well, what in the heck is the big deal about those, those two words, I am? The big deal is Moses showed up one time in the desert, saw a bush that was on fire, right? The burning bush, walked up, had this conversation. He was talking with God. And towards the end of that conversation, Moses, after he was told to go liberate all of his people by this, this burning bush that was God speaking, he says, who should I say sent me to do this? And God says, tell them I am sent you to do this. So when Jesus says before Abraham was, I am, all those Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Jesus in that moment was saying, I'm God. You are talking to God right now. Now, Jesus had been telling everyone this. His disciples knew this. His followers knew this. People knew this. This is eventually what got him crucified, right? And we see the murder in these people's hearts start to well up who didn't want to believe it. And so what Jesus basically did, essentially did, was quote something that he said to Moses 1,300 years before this day. Now listen, this is the cornerstone. This is the cornerstone of biblical theology, the fact that Jesus is God. He's not just a cool guy. He's not just this really neat person that loved to step in and stick up for the downtrodden. He did that. He wasn't just someone that gave us some good teaching so we could live a little bit better. He wasn't just an, you know, an herbal tea drinking hippie guy that walked around and hugged everyone. He was much more than these things. He is God incarnate. And that is the cornerstone. That is the, that is the foundation. Listen, not only of the entire Bible, that is the foundation of how we are to live, that we are to build everything. Listen to me, everything on the principle that Jesus is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. Amen. Listen, I never really understood. I, I knew what a cornerstone was, but I never really understood the, the, the magnitude. I never saw one before. I was in Africa several years back, and it was kind of neat because our church gives to, to, used to give to this one organization that would build schools, and they were building a school, and they actually put my, my name and the church's name on a cornerstone. And I got to see it sitting in the ground, the corner of this building, and they're gonna build off this stone. And I'm like, wow, that, that's what a cornerstone is. That's, that's where everything starts and everything is built upon this stone. So that's what Jesus is supposed to be in our life. But listen, for those of us that, that want what we want versus the things of God, Jesus is not a cornerstone. Jesus is an obstacle. Jesus is an inconvenience. Jesus is something we stumble upon because we're trying to get around Jesus. What do I mean by that? Peter says this. Honor will come to those who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, that is Jesus, the one who has become the cornerstone, the thing that everything should be built upon, is also a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. Listen, why do some people build their foundation on Jesus, but others want to get around him or they stumble over him or he is an obstacle? Why? Because some want to obey the word of God and others choose not to obey the word of God. And when we do not obey the word of God, Jesus becomes an inconvenience, something that gets in our way. Listen, 
This is why right now in the United States, because in the United States, the, 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 the God of the United States is individual, it is self. And it is that no one can tell me what to do. I get to choose whatever I want. My reality is my reality. My truth is my truth, which is the most idiotic thing in the world we can believe in because it just contradicts everybody else. It's hypocritical. It's, it's completely ridiculous. But we believe in this era of, of relativism where no one can tell me what is wrong. And the reason why right now in the United States, we have over 100 million atheists, non-believers. That is almost one third of the United States has no religious affiliation. The reason why that number continues to skyrocket and the number of believers continues to plummet is because Jesus has become something that gets in the way of how we want to do things. And we have our head in the sand our head in the sand, we still say we are the one nation under God and it is the most absurd thing for an American Christian to say. Absolutely absurd. Listen, I'm not a communist. I don't have anything against, I love the church. I love living in America most of the time. But we have our head in the sand if we think that we are winning as the church in the United States. We have our head in the sand if we don't see that there is a huge cultural problem right now and it has bled its way into the church. So here's the thing. Let's go backwards and then we'll get back to that point. The first thing is this. Any of us in this room who've lived a little bit and have become believers, we understand this. At first, sin resembles freedom. Right? Have all the sex you want to have, drink all the alcohol you want to drink, smoke all the stuff you want to smoke, just do it. It's fun until Saturday morning, right? And then the regret sits in until the addiction starts and we have to go to recovery or we have to go to some kind of inpatient treatment or we get a sexually transmitted disease or we have to deal with an unwanted pregnancy and that's nothing against a child. I'm just saying that alters life forever. All these different things happen. And what, what actually the truth about sin is this, it enslaves us. And God did not design us to be slaves. The reason why Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and was resurrected on the third day was, was for liberation. It was from, for freedom's sake that he did these things. And so if we are set free, Jesus said we, we will truly be free indeed. So that means that we have to intentionally separate ourselves from things that are evil. And when we intentionally separate ourselves from things that are evil, we find that we fall into fewer and fewer traps, that we live better, our relationships are better. When we're honest and we live with integrity, that people like us more, it's shocking. Things like that, right? That when we follow the teachings and principles of the Bible, life just becomes a lot more simple. Life becomes a lot more fulfilling, a lot easier. We live in this freedom. We are designed. This is how God wants us to live. And so if we truly say that we are believers, if we truly say that we are believers, there will be evidence of that. And again, I am shocked at how many people get upset because I say things like, if you're truly a Christian, that will be evident, even though I can show you so many scripture in the Bible that back that up. So faith does not only save you, Faith, true faith, will lead you to righteousness. And true faith will lead us to action. Look at the last thing Jesus told the church to do before he ascended into heaven. He said, go, go make disciples, go baptize, go teach, go is a verb. It means go do something, go, go out, 
Don't just sit there and talk about how saved you are all the time. Go out and do something to make sure other people are saved. Make sure that other people hear the liberating truth. That faith will lead to righteousness, righteousness will lead to action, and the real Christian will be evident because they continue in his word. They will continue. Gee, this is a quick English lesson right here. These little doodads at the beginning of continue and at the end of word right here, those are quotations, which means I, I didn't write that. Someone else wrote that. Jesus wrote that. So before you send that really happy email saying, well, this happened to me and I said a prayer one time and blah, 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 blah. Are you continuing in his word? And if you're not, Jesus would say there's a problem. I don't know if you never had it. I don't know if you lost it. I really don't care. I know that Jesus said, you are truly my follower if you're continuing in my word. Amen. And we need to take it straight from the mouth of God himself that this is how we are to live. And that means that we are praying. That means that we are learning more about Jesus. And that means that we are living out the word of God. If we are not praying, if we are not learning more, if we are not living out the word of God, we can say all day long that we're Christians, but we're not doing anything to follow Christ. Is that not, is that not absurd to anyone else in the room? Am I, I feel like maybe, maybe I'm taking crazy pills or something that I look around and you have a society that is, that is the majority Christian, but we are the most godless nation probably on planet earth right now. No one, no one else thinks that's weird besides me. Is that just me? All right, I'll just get through this lesson, my bad. So here's the thing. We will all cross paths with God at one point in our life. Now, sometimes that is subtle. Sometimes it is very, very blatant. But I believe all of us will have an intersection with God. The question is, what will we do when we have that intersection with God? Maybe some other questions are. So if you're in here right now and you're like, well, I've never had that intersection with God. Maybe you did have that intersection with God, but you're not listening or you're not looking. Sometimes it's hard to see things that are going on around us when we're never looking forward. Sometimes it's hard to see God when we're constantly just looking at ourselves. I would say it's not only hard, I'd say it's impossible. Not only that, we're so distracted. Well, I've never heard the voice of God. Maybe that's because you have YouTube, TikTok, someone talking to you and a radio playing over there simultaneously while you're driving. Maybe that's why we don't hear anything, because we're so distracted. We're absolutely terrified of silence in our culture right now. Terrified of it. I think it's because a lot of us don't want to deal with our own thoughts. Do we even have a desire to see the truth? We talk about truth and we talk about reality, but I don't even know if people have a desire to see that. In the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, Jesus says to the churches, right? And some of them, he's not too happy with these churches. He says, for those who have ears, listen. Now, when people were reading that letter, they're like, oh, I have ears. No, no, he didn't mean physical ears. He meant for those of you who are willing to hear the truth, I'm about to tell it to you. But for those of us that don't have ears, which means we don't have a desire to hear the truth, we can't expect to know the truth or live by it. But listen, guys, we're gonna be judged by it. Here's the thing. When we come to that intersection with Jesus, when we come to the word of God, there's a reason why I don't think, uh, a reason why I think a lot of people don't read the word of God. I think because people are afraid that they're gonna come across something in this book that tells them that how they're living is wrong. And they, want to, they don't want to deal with that. So when we have that intersection with the truth, will we see the sacrifice? 
Will we see that we have to live at a certain standard, that we have to live in God's will? Will we see that? And will we think, well, I don't wanna do that because Jesus is holding me back. He is inhibiting me. He is restricting me. Or there's what's happening in the United States right now. We take Jesus and we bend him and twist him and bastardize him and try to conform him to our image. And when we do that, we still miss Jesus. Do you know the, do, 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 I've said this before, do you want me to tell you the problem with, with picking and choosing the Bible based on cultural standards right now? The big movement right now in a lot of very, um, you know, we'll use the word liberal, liberal churches, progressive churches, is they wanna remove the teachings of Paul. The reason why they wanna remove the teachings of Paul is they're not very, they're not very politically correct, the teachings of Paul. And so we'll, we'll, we'll read the Bible, but we're not gonna pay much attention what Paul is saying, because that doesn't really jive with American culture right now. The problem with that is this. In one of Peter's books of the Bible, Peter said, do everything that Paul tells you to do. So if you have to take out Paul, then you have to take out Peter, because Peter affirmed Paul. If you take out Peter, the problem with that is, is Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to Peter. Uh-oh. If you take out Paul, you got to take out Peter. If you take out Peter, you have to take out Jesus. And that's why one of the last things you will read in this book is that anyone who removes any scripture from this book, their, their name will be removed from the Lamb's Book of Life because this thing is supposed to be taken in its totality. And when we try to conform God to our image, man, not only is that the height of arrogance, you'll never see the true God. Or, listen, when we have that intersection with God, here's a positive thing. Will we humble ourselves? And will we say, I, will we throw up our hands and say, I can't do this without you? Will we acknowledge that we have rebelled? Will we acknowledge that we have sinned? Will we repent? God, forgive me. Will we repent? Will we get away from these evil things? And we, will we submit to him? And if we will submit to him, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that he has greater plans even than you have for yourself that we will experience true freedom, true fulfillment, but we have to lay ourselves down. We have to admit that we cannot do it on our own. So, so let me ask you this. What will you do with this moment? As we are talking about these things, will we take the time to address any evil that might be in us, any pride that might be in us, anything that maybe we are not relenting on. Right now, some of us in this room, or maybe more than, than the majority that, that we're in this room, and we're at this crossroads to where we have to decide, am I gonna build my life on the principles of Jesus Christ? Is that going to be the cornerstone of how I raise my children, how I interact with my spouse? Man, let's even get into the details, what I feed my mind what kind of books I read and what kind of shows I watch? Well, will I let Christ be the, the, the foundation? Will I let him be that? Not only will we make that decision right now, listen, I hope you wake up every single day saying, today I will build my life on this cornerstone. Amen. Today I will do that. Or, or, will we look at the teachings, the principles of Jesus and when we say, man, but that, that impedes where I wanna go. I wanted to move to this place and I wanted to do this and I wanna go do this on Friday and I wanna do all these things and, and that book tells me not to. And so we try to circumnavigate, don't we? 
It becomes a stumbling block. We start tripping over Jesus versus building our life upon him in the pursuit of our own truth, in the pursuit of our own freedom. Hey, and all that being said, I wanna say one more thing because I've, I've already been extremely rude this morning, so I've already burned that bridge, so let me, let me do it a little bit more. Listen, I love you guys and, and, and love you a lot. Something that, that, that has upset me a little bit recently is here in a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna have the, the opportunity to take communion. I'm ending about eight minutes earlier than I normally do. And even if I wasn't though, guys, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you something because I love you. If your life is so busy and so important that you can skip out on remembering what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross, man, you need to check your heart a little bit. Hey, seriously, I know you have things to do. We all have things to do. Nothing you're going to do today is more important than you taking five minutes, asking God to examine your heart, taking the bread, taking the wine, and remembering what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And even if you don't feel like you're in a position to take it, and listen, not all of you need to take communion because if you are deliberately, knowingly living in sin, you will take that undue condemnation to yourself. You don't need to do that. If you have to leave, listen, wait three or five minutes. Let people who are taking their communion get their communion. Be respectful, right? Before we start throwing the doors open and trying to beat the Baptist to Cheddar's or wherever we go, right? <laughs> and just be respectful of what is going on. If that hurts your feelings, my God, I am, I, I, I'd like to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. This is something that is very, very important. And if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we are inadvertently, or maybe advertently, treating him like a stumbling block. Jesus, don't you know I'm busy? Listen, come on, come on. So here in a moment, we will have someone up here at the front. If you have any questions, if you're someone who's, who's digging, if you're looking, if you're asking questions, we'll have someone up here. We'll have people up here to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. And all the way around the room and on the majority of the posts, there's bread and wine. It represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ that sets us free, sets us free. But we listen, we have to live in that freedom. We have to, Jesus said, continue in his word. We have to continue in that to experience that freedom, okay? Will you bow your heads with me, please? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if it's your first time, I promise you, I'm actually a pretty decent guy. If you ever bump into me at a coffee shop or something, you'll get home, you'll tell your spouse, man, he really is a nice guy. <laughs> Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much, Lord. God, for all of us in this room, every day, not just today, not just in this moment, but Lord, I pray every day when we wake up, we, we consciously choose to build our life on you. Our relationships, our friendships, how we raise our kids, how we work, how we go to school, whatever we do, God, we just pray that we build our foundation upon you. Lord, for all of us, I pray that you humble us Lord, we don't want you to be a stumbling block in our life, God. We want, we want our relationship with you to be a blessing, to be the reason why we are free and liberated, God. We wanna live in that truth. So Lord, keep your hand on us, God. Protect every man and woman in this room, not just physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Guide us and lead us. Give us wisdom. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, God, and we pray all these things 
In your son's name, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you so much.